Papermen meet such interesting people. They know the lowdown, now it can be told. I'll tell you quite reliably off the record about some charming people I have known. For I meet politicians and grafters by the score. Killers plain and fancy, it's really quite a bore. Oh, newspapermen meet such interesting people. They wallow in corruption, crime and gore. Ding-a-ling-ling, city desk, full of press. Welcome to the Media Project, an inside look at media coverage of current events. I'm Nat Rex Smith. I'm Judy Patrick, former editor of the Daily Gazette, and now I'm vice president for editorial development for the New York Press Association. Filling in as host this week while Rex is away. Joining us today is WAMC's CEO, commentator, columnist, publisher, etc., Alan Shartok. Thank you for recognizing me, but I have to say, you know, Rex is away entirely too much, and we may have to talk to him about that. <laughs> also with us, investigative journalist and RPI and Albany professor Rosemary Armeo, and publisher emeritus of the Daily Freeman, Ira Fosfeld. Hello there, Judy and all. So... A uh, big week in the media news. By now, we have all been able to mull Fox's abrupt $787 million settlement to resolve this defamation suit filed by Dominion Voting Systems over the network's promotion of misinformation about the 2020 election. This stopped a potentially very embarrassing trial, all sorts of things. And so this has been talked about for the last few days but what do you all think about what the long-term consequences of this settlement will be on Fox, on the media, and on journalism in general? What do you think, Alan? Nada, nunca, nothing. That's what I think. I think these things come and they go, and they're speaking of Michelangelo when they do it. Ira? Well, I, I think there's three points that I look at this from. One is the settlement from Dominion. A lot of people were disappointed, but Dominion had to be looking out for itself, and that's not exactly small dollars that they are getting, and they wanted to help offset what they say were a severe business downturn as a result of Fox's criticism of them. So, you know, those who sort of think Dominion sold out try to turn down that much money. But I am disappointed that Fox didn't have to apologize. I don't think that the money is going to be a great consequence to them, at least right now, although they are facing other suits. And finally, while I'm disappointed in that, I'm somewhat relieved that they didn't put the First Amendment and the Sullivan New York Times under scrutiny because that's a very fragile thing and it's a very important principle for newspapers and the rest of the media. And uh, that has escaped this round. So if you were in that spot, what would you have done? In what yeah, spot? Which spot? Dominion, Fox, he, the he knows, he knows what I'm talking about. Well, no, I mean, I if I was Dominion, I would say, listen, they're offering me have, all this do? almost a billion dollars. I'm going to take it because even though I have a strong case, I'm not sure that a jury is going to agree. And all it takes is one juror to go the other way, and they're not going to make anything. But as I say, as as a media former media member, I'm somewhat relieved that the scrutiny that might have occurred for the First Amendment did not occur. Okay, can, can yeah, I say Rosemary's I have got to be I, I wanted to clear the road I am Rosemary. thrilled. <laughs> I, I am I'm just shocked by all this disappointment and gloom. I heard it on the roundtable yesterday. I'm reading it in the paper. We should be celebrating. Let me reiterate. The largest defamation settlement ever, at least that we know about, that's been disclosed. Fox got its comeuppance for months and will continue to get a comeuppance because Smartmatic comes up next. That case 
based on the same facts, is even bigger. And we now know that Rupert Murdoch was an officer in Fox. So all of those lovely discovery and nasty messages, there's going to be more of them all involving Fox. So we will get our glee. Lou Dobbs was kicked out. Good thing. And his colleagues, if not disgraced, or at least they certainly have a lower reputation in that part of the world, the liberals I'm talking about, who pay attention to what happens at Fox News. Apologies are stupid. What would it have meant if Fox apologized? It means nothing. They have to pay. That's a good thing. Finally, it did not go to the Supreme Court. Paul Conte, who is from St. Rose, frequent commentator on this show, is saying, oh, it never would have gone because the Supreme Court doesn't take civil cases, which this was. However, the Supreme Court doesn't end precedences. It does that now. We've got two Supreme Court justices on the public record, also very rare, saying, oh yeah, Times v. Sullivan has to go. Libel laws have to be easier. That's not going to happen. And it isn't going to happen in Smartmatic. That has a much higher chance of being settled now that this one was too. So it won't happen on this case, which is excellent. They would have taken it. It involved the big lie. It involved elections. It involved Fox. It would have gone to the Supreme Court, I'm sure, if they had had the excuse. Win or lose, they could have still mess with the libels. Those will, st- those will hold. But the, the, and they worked. But they the worked, ab- by the way. The absence of the apology of, of each of the nighttime hosts getting on the air and saying, you know those stories we told you about, we lied. Sorry, we lied. The importance of that is that the people who are watching those programs are getting precious little information, so they really don't have much of an idea about what Fox has done and what is it has. Liberal dreams, liberal dream that Fox was going to be found guilty, pay a lot of money, do mea culpas, and change their whole business model. That's this is like oh, Trump will pivot and become a really great president. He'll grow into the role. <laughs> it's a pipe dream. It was always a pipe dream. And by the way, it's not up to Dominion to protect our democracy. Right. It is a for-profit company. They worked for their shareholders and did an excellent job. And by the way, we ought to be thanking them, those who care about democracy. They did more to expose the workings of the big lie and how it was spread than any government agency so far. And it's a for-profit company that had no need to do that. But the people who need to learn of that exposure are not going to find out about it. That wouldn't have happened from this case either. You know, and there were more secrets, though, that could have been uncovered. A lot of the early disclosures and pretrial discovery were redacted, and there was hope that a lot of those redactions would have been removed when the trial was going to happen. And everyone would have loved to have seen Rupert Murdoch on the stand, and that didn't happen. One of the things that struck me, not so much that they didn't issue an apology, but their official statement the night of the settlement was this sentence. This settlement reflects Fox's continued commitment to the highest journalistic standards. Jake Tapper from CNN, when he read that, he couldn't read it without breaking into laughter. And liberals do. I don't think you're ever going to get the MAGA crowd. Let us remember that this whole case came about because Fox was reporting truthfully, Trump's losing. He lost Arizona. And the readers went crazy. Listeners went crazy. And so they then switched to lying because they would make more money. So why would it have been any different? And if it had gone to trial, all the pre-discovery stuff that we know would have been gone over odd infinitum. We would have heard over and over how Rupert said this isn't blue or red, it's green, blah, blah, blah. We would have heard it. And the MAGA heads would have just said, oh, there's the liberals dragging it over and over again. They're telling us to stop repeating it, coming after us. We we could not have won over the MAGA heads with this thing. There's no way to win them over. Well, did you have to win them all over, or could you have won some of them over? I mean, I haven't seen any polling yet that shows any change one way or the other. There hasn't been polling since could the it be came that down. Maybe we did already. 
Could it be that so few people really care about any of this? Absolutely. That's scary. And it's more than just the coverage of the election and the Dominion voting fiasco. It's the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol that Fox continues to dismiss as a simple protest that got a little bit out of hand. And that kind of coverage continues. I have to believe that the lawyers for Fox are having some sort of discussion with the higher-ups at Fox, telling people, you got to stop short of coming right out and defaming people. And I also have to believe that after the Smartmatic case settles, that there will be some shakeup at Fox. They can't do it before that happens. Right, because it'll it'll make them look bad in the Smartmatic case. Do you think the Fox Board of Directors is going to act? Are they going to call for somebody to be fired? Well, remember, you're probably going to have some shareholder lawsuits against Fox because they're going to be annoyed that they've lost this money. They see a lot of money coming in, and to their credit, Fox is pounding this idea that they're the most trusted news source in America. They're going to the cable companies right now asking for record levels of compensation. If you are a cable television customer, look at your cable television bill, and you will see there is a amount you pay for broadcasting rights. It's separate from everything else. Mine was 20 bucks. That includes almost $3 you will pay to Fox for the right to watch Fox, even if you don't watch Fox. I mean, they get an enormous amount of money from the cable companies because of their large audience. And that's what they were trying to preserve all along, and that's what they have preserved. Well, it's believed that OAN and Newsmax, which are the right-wing competitors to Fox and which Fox feared was starting to overtake them, the word is that if they get hit with judgments such as the one that Fox just paid, they'll, they'll go out of business because they don't have the deep pockets. And that will again leave the field completely free, free to Fox to cover the right and do what it's been doing. So what about the First Amendment and libel law protections? So we, we escaped this time in terms of this case is not going to be appealed to the Supreme Court because they settled out of court. That is one of the good outcomes of this case. But there are a number of other attacks coming at libel law from a number of different directions, especially from Florida. There are conservatives have been trying to do this for a long time. Does the media need to be reined in when it comes to libel laws or not? Well, if you're looking at me, the answer— I am looking at you, man. Okay. Well, not everybody out there knows that because this is the radio. Um, So the answer is, yeah, we are in a position where we don't absolutely know what we're doing. And that certainly is my case right now. Oh, God, no, I completely disagree. I do not think the media needs to be reined in. Times v. Sullivan, the 1964 Supreme Court law that set up the current libel standards, has held at that long and is the envy of journalists around the world. It allows journalists to make mistakes as long as they essentially get the news right. And that gives great protection to go after the most important cases that the press needs to be covered. Sure, we need to protect the people who are doing the wrong thing. I mean, that's what you're saying, isn't it? No. We need to protect the press, which in the course of doing the right thing will make some mistakes. And there was no well, real talk. Th- what does that mean, we'll make some mistakes? Because they're human. You can't do perfect journalism. Well, I think, no one can. I think. And if you insist that they do, which other countries do, and which Donald Trump says should be the case, it should be harder for the press. They should not be allowed to make mistakes. Then you have less reporting. And that is truly bad for democracy. I see. Let me see if I understand what you're saying here, Rosemary Armeo. I just want everybody to write, jot down your name so they can write you a note. In support, undoubtedly. Or not. I think what you're saying is, you know, mistakes are okay. They're not okay. That's not what I said. I said that in the course of reporting, mistakes are inevitable. 
you will get a phone number That's wrong. okay, isn't it? In the eyes of the Supreme Court and in the rule of law in the country so far, that is okay. You can't make a mistake saying, oh, the election was stolen when it wasn't. That's foxes. That is not a mistake. That's defamation. And the 1964 law set the standard. This is a mistake allowable, understandable, because you're human. This is defamation, and you get to sue for that. And that line is a good one. It should not change. If you're a public figure, it's a harder test against the media. The press gets more leeway to make mistakes. And it didn't make a mistake, by the way, in reporting about the election. Right. So the Sullivan case dates back to the 60s, and the Supreme Court ruled at that time that in order to win a libel case, public officials had to do more than show that there was something wrong, that a mistake was made. They had to prove that those lies, those falsehoods, those errors were the product of actual malice, were mm -hmm. intentional or reckless disregard for the truth, that they didn't follow established journalistic protocols. And that was one of the things that Fox was trying to assert in its defense in this case, is they were simply trying to cover a story, that they weren't asserting things that were false. But the judge early on ruled that these things were false. They said false things, and the only issue really at trial at this point before the settlement was how much money Dominion was going to get. Ira? If I'm not mistaken, that Sullivan v. New York Times was over an advertisement was. that was in the New York Times. Mm -hmm. It yes, wasn't it even was. something that the New York Times had generated on its own. But it, as I pointed out, others have as well. If you publish something, you are responsible for what you it is it. you publish, even even if you didn't create it. So the, the fact that the court ruled as it did was very important, A, but very wise in my view. You, you know, we will make mistakes, and if the mistakes are not with malice, etc., then we should not be held liable for them. And I think there was a great fear that if this Fox News case had gone to trial, the next natural follow-up would be to pick through this Times Beach Sullivan and change it to the detriment of the media business. So Ira and your associates here, I don't want to leave anybody out, how do you prove malice? Well, you prove malice by looking at some of those emails that we saw in the Fox case where the hosts said one thing to each other and entirely something else to the public. But it is hard to prove. That's one of the reasons that these cases are hard to come to a conclusion successful for the plaintiff, because it's hard to prove that someone didn't like someone and did it on purpose to ruin a reputation. And Judy, isn't there something called actual malice? What is actual malice? Prove that somebody's out to get somebody. So and that if, you know, the New York Times... Well, Sarah Palin tried to prove it with the New York Times. She failed, but right. that was her attempt, that the New York Times had it in for me. They had an article after article in which they printed bad things about me, and so they made this mistake. It was a stupid mistake. They should have been punished for it, where they said her mailings were responsible for a shooting that resulted in Gabby Gifford and others being injured. That was malice. They were exhibiting their malice towards me, their bad feelings. They wanted to do me harm. So if you stepped outside the door at WAMC after our discussion and said, you know, Shartok is such a jerk, would that be actual malice? Certainly would be slander. I thought you were going to say certainly uh, no, would be No, I'm accurate. trying to decide. Is Alan a public figure? Yeah, it may not even yes. apply. I think he would be a public figure. Yes, of course I am. Yeah, he'd be a public figure. I have inserted myself into the public discourse. Yeah, right. so I think that you might be a public figure. So could you prove but that, that was But actual? saying you're a jerk is not libelous. Saying you're a thief would be libelous. Hey, you know Alan Shartuck, he, we raise all that money at the fund drive and look how much he's getting. That, I reject that. <laughs> So Rosemary mentioned a law in Florida that is cracking down or is trying to make libel laws more expansive and make it easier to sue for right. libel. Also, there are a number of Republican politicians 
who are suing the media for defamation. This includes former Senate candidates Don Blankenship and Roy Moore, remember him, and former Congressman Devin Nunes have explicitly pushed judges to abandon the Sullivan ruling. And although I'm sure that they want to settle their case, maybe get some money, or those cases may end up before the Supreme Court as well. I think the Fox people were very happy Sullivan was there for this go around, and they're going to be happy for it because they have another big loss coming around the corner. That's with Smartmatic. And maybe some of these redacted filings will come to light. I I think you're going to see new filings because we have a whole new set of them to look at. And two of the conservatives who want to bring down the law are Supreme Court justices. So it is a matter of grave concern. Donald Trump brought this up. He doesn't like the press. I guess Clarence Thomas. Like I was just going to say, you don't think Clarence <laughs> Thomas is going to go defending the press, nor do we expect people like Kavanaugh, who went through that uh, Gorsuch here on Gorsuch. So. Yeah, they all did. So, yeah, and DeSantis, of course, is pushing this because he wants to run for president, and softening the laws about the press would really help him in his campaign with the MAGA heads, too. So, yeah, I do think it's going to end up before the Supreme Court. I'm relieved it isn't sooner rather than later. Abortion is enough to worry about right now. So as you all know, one of the things I care a lot about is small local newspapers. And we have an interesting story out of Oklahoma about a small Ooh, local wow. newspaper called Gazette. the McCurtain Gazette News. A small print publication, doesn't have a website, has a little bit of a social media presence, but not much. The publisher there, who also writes stories, he suspected that the county commissioners were holding secret meetings and talking about public business behind closed doors when they shouldn't have. So he left a voice-activated recorder behind and left, and uh, he got his recordings and he found horrendous comments. The county commissioner lamented about how they could no longer yank black people out of jail, take them down to Mud Creek and hang them with a rope. That's just one of the outrageous things they heard on the case. They also insinuated that they would like to find a big hole they could bury the reporter in. And so the newspaper started to write these stories. The issue was the newspaper was covering alleged corruption in the sheriff's department over the last six months, and they had come under increasing pressure from county authorities. Now that these recordings have come to light, one commissioner has resigned, but the sheriff and two of his employees have refused to resign. And so this just goes to show, for me, the importance of local news, but also how dangerous news reporting is, even for in a small Oh, now, but the the question that that I'm wrestling with is how did they get this story? The guy left the tape recorder in the room in what I presume was an executive session. No, it was after the the meeting was over. Their suspicion was that they were schmoozing. They were hanging out, yeah, just like saying goodbye, everybody. So that's different. And their lawyer, Oklahoma is a one-party state, which meant that if the reporter had been there with this tape recorder, it would have been perfectly legal. But there was no party to that discussion overheard. They thought they were going to just hear more, you know, county business going on. Instead, they pick up this, I think it's criminal activity, you know, almost. It's like a threat. But there's no party to it. That was one of the responses of the sheriff. Not like, we're sorry, we didn't mean it, we were just joking. Anything that you would expect. Instead, they go, that was an illegal recording or we're going to charge them, which is so stupid. Right. The sheriff says that felony charges will likely be filed against the person who left the recorder, the publisher of this small newspaper. And as the publisher said, we we consulted two lawyers first and we think we're safe. The lawyer told them that if the recording was left in a place where the commissioners had no expectation of privacy such as the meeting hall, that they were safe to record. I think it'll be interesting, but considering what was caught, the legality of that recording is not going to be the main issue. So what is the main issue? That public officials want to kill reporters and lynch black people. And we already saw a reporter being killed by someone who he was covering in Las Vegas. 
We have seen in Orlando there was a journalist killed while working on a murder story. Journalism in America is becoming as dangerous as it is in Serbia. So did they break a law? Uh, yeah, you're not allowed to shoot and kill people, even it, if they're journalists. And if you're talking about getting together, it could be considered conspiracy as well. Their defense may be, oh, we were just jawboning. This is just, you know, But there's no fun. law against eavesdropping, whether it's on tape or In other words, the, oh, the yeah. reporter there could are. have put his ear to the door and listened to what was going on. Which many reporters do. Which many reporters do. Right. Have you ever done it, Judy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah especially and often when they're yelling, too, which makes it a lot easier. Between 1992 and... Does it make it more legal if they're yelling than if they're not yelling? No. It makes it easier, though. Between 92 and 2002, the Committee to Protect Journalists counts 939 journalists who were murdered worldwide. Nine of those murders were in the United States. So it's, we're... Getting, it's getting scary. It didn't used to be that way. Well, in light of what's just happened this last few days as we speak, where it's always been dicey if you knock on somebody's door unannounced, who knows if a reporter knocks on somebody's door now, who knows what's going to greet him or shoot first and ask questions later? Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that because oh, reporters yeah. are always going down long driveways. Yep. And Well, you were a census taker too, Rosemary. Oh, my God. I was terrified as a census taker, you know? You'd go to people's door and knock on it, and they would come out and say, Democratic Party paying you? What are you doing here? Trying to help get more money for our community. Yeah, so, and as a journalist, I was forever lost. You're going up to strangers asking personal questions, going to them at a time when their relatives are dead or they're under stress because of legal charges. It is very dangerous to be a journalist, and it pays crap, and there's no job security. So yes, how come I so many people want it, and how come they don't? Gonna... They don't. We're, we're well. Not. Wait a second. People are still going to journalism. Well, they, you know, in the heyday, people feel they want to make a difference. They can make a difference. It's important work, and it, and it's it's a somebody's calling to do it. But now, for the the all of the difficulties of the job are made even more difficult by the fact that they're not paid really well, and it's dangerous, literally dangerous. Right. People aren't beating down the doors of newsrooms to get in. Local newspapers continue to have a hard time hiring reporters. Well, you were an editor. Did you find it was difficult to find people to work no, for? No. I would. Uh, if I had a job opening, I have 20 or 30 resumes. After, after Watergate in after the 70s, Watergate. everybody wanted to be yep. a journalist. It was glamorous. It was safe. Don Bowles in Arizona is the only reporter killed for decades in the United States. It's different now. It's very different. We're the enemy of the people in a partisan environment. There's gun rage and lots of guns out there. Strangers are considered dangerous. Yeah, I don't and, think it's hyperbole to suggest no. that both Trump and Fox News have fostered this environment. The Committee to Protect Journalists has said as much. You know, is that right? Yes. And as far as flocking to the business, there's trouble hiring, not that there are any jobs. Uh, you are not seeing the best and the brightest students go into journalism anymore. See that in you know, the schools where I teach. Um, where do they go? Law school? STEM, engineering, and IT. There's more money, and it's safe. Speaking of how dangerous this profession is, the story that's captivated me this week, aside from the Fox Dominion lawsuit settlement, was the case of a Wall Street Journal reporter, Ivan Gershkovich, who uh, was arrested in Russia on a reporting trip last month, and this week they brought him into court. They put him, as usual, in the glass case that they do in Russian courts, and he's being held on an allegation of espionage that the Journal and the United States government continues to deny very strongly. You know, he watching him, he looked like a classic reporter to me. He's just standing in there, he's blinking, he's holding his own, but you have to be worried about his, his future. What can we do 
to bring his story to light and help him get out of that incredibly dangerous position. And should American reporters be in Russia at all at this point? Exactly. And what would you do if it was your grandson or your son? What would you do? What would your recommendation be? Newspapers at that level, they have extra insurance for hostage-taking and for the reporters. It's, it's a level of alarm and concern that the editors and the management of those papers is incredible. But these young reporters, as Rosemary's talked about this, these reporters, not necessarily young yeah. reporters, they have a desire to do this. Um, despite the low pay, despite the right. danger, right. they feel it's important to tell these stories. For, for Evan, it was important because he has, his family has a heritage in Russia, and he feels a... So this is the media project. What are we to take away from this story you are telling us about why people want this or not? That there still are people who have that urge to do good and to make a difference, and there are brave people, and this is a young man who is fearless, and he must have known what he was getting into when he, when he went to Russia, particularly given the tensions between our respective countries right now. So I, I think he deserves a huge amount of admiration. And uh, he needs not to be forgotten until he's out of there, M- much much like on a far, far different plane, the uh, female basketball player who was held that long. So what if you were likely to be his father or grandfather, Ira? Uh, what would you be telling him when he was telling you his plan? Are you I would sure say, you're safe? Yeah, you're sure you know, you're sure you know what you're getting you're into. You're sure you're safe. That's what all mothers tell their yep. kids, right? Yes. But we know and that they, they, they don't. They don't. They they do what they think is right, and that's what this gift did, and we ought to be supportive and appreciative of that. The negotiations to get him out will be conducted by the U.S. government. The State Department is working on it, and the Wall Street Journal has a lot of clout in order to push that. He's getting support usually from the from the international journalism community, but that's not going to do him any good because Putin is using him like a pawn, of course. Yeah, he'll be made to suffer for a while, and Putin will eventually work out some sort of a trade, and he'll get be afraid. Correct. The next time Putin needs an arms dealer released, he'll um, he'll bring this guy up. You don't much like Putin, I, I th- assume. I think he's one of the worst people in the world. Yes. And the big news organizations, the major ones, are putting some pressure as much as they can, and they're limited, but with you know full-page ads and mounting intensive social media campaigns to try to keep the pressure on Moscow to at least let him out on bail, and his request to be out while his case was being handled sure. has been denied, so he remains in, in one of the toughest prisons in Russia. Ah. So how dangerous is this for international journalism? It is international journalism. If you take on these cases, you're right. going to end up in, in trouble. It's, it's much more routine, as I say, for foreign journalists or Americans in foreign countries to be in danger than American journalists in American counties. That's why the the case in Oklahoma is so shocking to me. Well, that's all the time we have this week. No. Thanks to Alan, Rosemary, and Ira. Thanks also to our producer, David Gustina. I'm Judy Patrick. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week on The Media Project. It's wonderful to represent the The Media Project is a national production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. Our executive producer is Alan Chartoff. This week's projectors include WAMC's Alan Chartoff, Judy Patrick, former editor of the Daily Gazette and vice president for editorial development for the New York Press Association, Rosemary Armeo, investigative journalist and adjunct professor at RPI in New Albany, and Daily Freeman publisher emeritus Ira Fussfeld. You can listen to The Media Project anytime at wamcpodcast.org or anywhere you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Get those readers, get that payoff. What a headache, what a mess. 
Oh, publishers are such interesting people. Let's give three cheers for freedom of the press. <laughs>